Scott Oath. I'm a Boundary Waters lover, a wilderness guide, and also a financial advisor. I volunteer monthly to come on WTIP and do radio features, one called Pack and Paddle, where I talk about wilderness skills and Boundary Waters life, and another called Money Matters, where I talk about uh, personal financial tips. My wife and I own Bull Moose Patrol, where we guide wilderness trips and teach outdoor skills. Particular passions are canoe camping, winter camping, and wilderness survival. With Bull Moose Patrol, uh, one of the things I really enjoy, I'm very drawn to the traditional skills of the North Woods, canoe poling, the elusive Canadian stroke, reflector oven baking, lighting fires with bow drill, all these fun traditional type techniques. And where possible, I like to try and wrap those in and teach those skills. So I'd love to have you follow along in our WTIP programs, Pack and Paddle and Money Matters. The past sessions are recorded on the WTIP sites and also on my personal site, scottoath.com for personal finance and bullmoosepatrol.com for outdoors. Proud to support the Boundary Waters in this podcast. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experience were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters. And it's, it was really cool, it was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars, I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Welcome to episode 43 of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. I'm your host today, Joe Fredericks. As you may be heard in the last episode, my pal and co-host Matthew Baxley is still out paddling some rivers in the American West. He should be returning soon. We hope we know he's been having a lot of fun out there. So we're still sharing stories, of course, from the Boundary Waters here on the podcast and Matthew's absence. We've been hearing from a lot of listeners here in the summer as we get ready for the summer of 2021 and really appreciate all the emails that have been coming in. BWCA podcast at gmail.com. That's how we get so many of the interviews and stories that you hear on the podcast from listeners. So please do keep contacting us. So we're going to be flying solo today, although be speaking to uh, some of my paddling correspondents here in just a moment on the podcast, a really unique guest will be joining us today for this episode. So we're into the paddling season now through the fishing opener, which was uh, spectacular here in northeastern Minnesota, by the way. If you were around in the middle of May for the fishing opener, this year, unbelievable weather. Some of the best fishing in the Boundary Waters that I personally ever experienced and uh, just a, a trip to remember one of my favorite trips actually to the boundary waters was the fishing opener this year went in on may 14th and came out that sunday and uh, the weather just again was phenomenal the fishing was great amazing campfires great meals fish dinner fish breakfast mm, what a what a trip so today we're going to be talking about hammock camping 
It's a theme we, we visited once before on the podcast about two years ago. My buddy Kevin the K-Man Kramer and I went on a trip and the idea was to learn. It was my first time camping and sleeping in a hammock and uh, just utilizing, incorporating that into a canoe trip or any type of backcountry backpacking trip or whatever it might be. It was my first time sleeping in a hammock. So we did that and it worked out great. I've done it a few times since, both again in, on a trip with the K-Man in 2020, but also I did that on the duck hunting trip that we heard on the podcast from last fall. And uh, so I've, I'm starting to get more involved with the whole scene. I bought my own hammock now with the rain fly and everything, and I'm all set up to do that more in 2021. And there is a gentleman named Shug. Sean Emery is his name. He lives in Minnesota, but he goes by the name Shug. He does YouTube videos about hammock camping and all kinds of things. He's he's uh he's known to the hammock community as definitely as Shug, but he's also known as a, a all around Minnesota. He's been a performer at the state fair. He was in the circus uh, for a long time as a, as a clown, and he does juggling and all kinds of music. And he's just a he's a character, I guess is an easy way to describe it. And I had uh, come across his videos on YouTube. I mean, he's got uh, all kinds of followers, over a hundred thousand followers on YouTube. But I didn't really know too much about him. And we we knew that he was the resource. He does a lot of backpacking along trails in the Boundary Waters up here in the Spear Hiking Trail. But he does a lot on uh, Kekakabic and Pow Wow Trail. He's all over the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness Trails. So I, I was watching some of his videos and just wanted to get more educated about Suge before I spoke to him, which I did uh, recently. And so I, I talked to a, a couple of my friends. I, I actually reached out to my buddy who uh, was my photographer and lead correspondent when I lived in Bend, Oregon. I was a reporter there for many years after college. And uh, my buddy, his name's Kyle, we, we call each other Bill, actually, for reasons that are too complex and lengthy to get into uh, on this podcast. But uh, Bill, my buddy from Oregon, uh, also used to you know byline in photographs and newspapers, was Slipper Man. So I reached out to him because he follows Shug very closely, and uh, I missed him on a phone call. But he left me a message. Let's hear from my buddy uh, Slipperman. Hey, Bill, it's Bill. I just got word that you got Shug in your podcast. I think I sent you a Shug YouTube what two years ago, two and a half years ago, way before all this pandemic madness. Man, if I could get Shug, I mean, first off, I would watch out because Shug is a madman with a motor mouth, and he will talk far more than you expect. But if you could, if you could steer him, I would just love to know at what point in his life he found his solace in the woods because he's a performer. He hints at things in his life that have driven him into the woods, but at what point did he find the magic of getting out there and turning his performing up on the stage in front of circuses what what drove him to go hang in a hammock under the stars alone in the middle of winter to find his peace or to, to find his therapy? I don't know if it's with him and, and his buddy, the Maple King, that, that drew it, whether it was his, you know, his childhood years, but we all know what he does out there. And it would be easy to ask him the technical questions about his whoopee slings and his ridge lines and you know, what type of underquilt. But what, like, the spiritual part of Suge is what I think I'm trying to know because when I found him, I think with a lot of people, and I was going through some rough times in my life and getting out into the woods alone. So drive that out of Suge. That's what, that's what as, a, as a follower, as a fan, I would want to hear. Anyway, Bill, good luck. 
Good luck getting a word in. He's a magical man. Enjoy your time. Slipper man. That's my buddy uh, who follows Suge. Suge, the hammock camper from YouTube. We're going to be hearing from him here on the episode in just a few moments. I also want to still get more information. I mentioned my pal Kevin, the K-Man Kramer earlier, who showed me the beginnings of hammock camping, introduced me to it in the Boundary Waters. I wanted to talk with the K-Man. Let's, uh, let's actually give him a call, see if we can get him on the line here. Hello. Yeah, hey, K-Man. Joe, how yeah. you doing? Hey, yeah, Joe up here in uh, Grand Marais. Doing good, man. I'm uh, working on a podcast episode, and it's about hammock camping in a sense, but I'm interviewing this guy named Suge from YouTube and doing some research. It looks like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this the guy that you mentioned when you and I were out uh, and did that hammock camping a couple years ago? and recorded on the podcast that you mentioned this guy, Shug, right? Yeah, Shug. Um, he's got a, he's got a YouTube channel and, uh, and I learned almost everything I know about hammock camping from, <laughs> from Shug. That's what I thought you said. I mean, I, I remembered you mentioned that name and it kind of stood out to me. Uh, so I'm going to be interviewing him later this afternoon, actually. And knowing that, you know, both a lot more about hammock camping than I do and about, about Suge, like what, what do you think I should be trying to get out of this guy or, or what would you ask him? Well, you know, when I, when I first got into hammock camping, I went out and, and I bought like an entry level hammock, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just the kind of hammock you hang in your backyard. And, you know, it's not, sometimes it's, it's not as easy as just hanging it from, from two trees. You know, there's, some technicalities, uh, some things like how far the trees have to be apart and you want to have your feet so many inches above your head and you want to lay diagonally and, you know, how to, the tree straps and there's different knots and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's this Marlin hitch that, uh, Suge talks about a lot in his videos and, and that's a good way to make adjustments to, uh, how high the hammock sits above the crown and things and, you go buy a hammock at the at the store at the camping store, and you know there's no there's really no instructions on the side of the box on how to set this thing up. So there's a lot of info out there, but Shug's a, a great source of of information. Yeah, and I've been wanting to get some of that. Maybe he'll summarize. You know, they give us the hammock camping 101 was maybe an idea I had in my discussion with him. We'll we'll see how it goes. But also, he seems. To me, just on the on some of the videos I've been watching, getting ready for the interview, to be a bit of a character. Am I right in that? The guy's hilarious. Um, I, his background is in circus performing. He was a he was a circus clown in a in a uh, previous career, and he's retired from that now. But but he's a performer, and. Uh, He's just entertaining. He has a way about him. And I, I've tried to make some videos before. And, I mean, it takes a certain kind of person to uh, to make some of this stuff entertaining. And he, he combines comedy and and music and, and things into his videos. It just makes it really entertaining. Yeah, nice. Good. Well, I'll ask him a little bit, you know, some technical stuff. I'll get into a little bit of his, his background or his life. Or, or maybe we'll learn a little bit more about him as a as a person 
in addition to his knowledge of uh, hammock camping, including here in the, the Boundary Waters area. So looking forward to the conversation. I uh, hope all goes well with you down there, Cayman, and maybe we'll we'll get out and do some fishing you know, later this year or something. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. Say right. hi to Shug for me. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, Cayman. All right, Joe. Take care. Well, there you have it. Without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Shug, the hammock camper on the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. I should know it right here at the beginning. I set out on this uh, discussion with Shug on a Friday afternoon, cloudy day, kind of a gloomy day, and I was expecting to learn about knots and hammock camping and how Shug got involved with hammock camping. And after more than 90 minutes of conversation, here's how things started to wind down. Well, you know, this conversation brought, put some peace in my heart, Chug. I, 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 I'm in a, a different place mentally here than, than when we started talking. And I, I appreciate all, all the stories, all the time, and, and uh, you know, both here in the conversation and, and on your channel and it, we didn't even talk about hammocks did we yeah <laughs> i think that's right. isn't that important I, I i think at this point in life the the place the woods you know and touching on these you you ask such great questions today that i hope people ask sometimes that that really provoke some thought and then i know when we're done i'm gonna go oh my man i gave the worst answers ever because i'm gonna have to go back and keep thinking about some of them just it just gives you thought you know it's like these acts of something as simple as the North Woods until this year. I've never thought as deeply about the woods as I have and how un, unexplainable to myself it is and how I'm still kind of confused and perplexed and overjoyed and proud that I'm a part of that culture that goes up there into the woods. You know, I mean, I've often thought, Laying on the couch sometimes, going, well, you know, if it really all comes down to it, it's the end of the world. You know, things have gone bad. I can't really do a tourniquet or uh, uh, high mathematics. But if we had to take off and go be in the woods, I feel like I could go, follow me. I will at least make you feel comfortable out here. You know, like that's one place I could sort of go, you know, all woodsmen and and by woodsmen, I mean every gender, every person, every body that goes to the woods people. We could go, yep, just, uh, yeah, it's going to be kind of cold, windy at times, but uh, we'll be good. You know, 45 degrees can be cold. Don't think it's not going to be when there's a light breeze coming through your camp. Um, so it's it's deep, man. It's it's super deep, and it should be because it's a, it, it's a, it's a major, it's a power. It's, it's a power out there, and again, it might be, Part of the reason we go up there because you know without noticing it there's this ominous sort of uh, well, omnipotent you know it's not ominous because it's also beautiful just sort of this it's like a giant hug you know and it could turn into a kidney punch very quickly oh <laughs> you know in a headbutt bam oh god what are you are you loving me or hurting me you know it's like people used my friends used to tell me when i quit drinking they go uh yeah sean man it's uh Glad you quit drinking, but you know you don't hug us as much anymore. But on the other hand, you don't headbutt us as much either. So as you can tell, the conversation went a different way than I was expecting, maybe than Shug was expecting. Really enjoyed talking with Shug the Hammock Camper. We got into some issues about inclusiveness, diversity, and the boundary waters. Here's part of that conversation. It's that thing of going, 
am, am I exercising some sort of privilege I have to go to the woods? You know, that's, that's the, the big question that keeps popping in my head. And I keep thinking about it going, uh, you know, I think about my parents getting me into scouts and my dad taking me backpacking. And I don't know, five, six years ago, I had a bunch of old equipment and I did a thing on YouTube to sort of give this equipment away, you know, and I said, I don't know, just give me a good story while you want it. And I was getting a lot of this. Well, I like to have it because the old lady doesn't have anything. And I'm going, well, you're not getting it. And yeah. one, I got a message from a scout that said, uh, my little brother doesn't have any equipment to go camping. So he's not able to go on our camping trips. And I went, man, I never thought of that because my parents never told me that they they paid money for me to be in scouts, that they uh, I remember them taking me down and buying me equipment. But, you know, when you're 11, 12 years old, you think it's just happening. Oh, they just want me out of the house and taking me out and buying me the food for it and the M&Ms and all the stuff I needed, you know, to go. And it opened my eyes to it. And I go, well, my parents were very I would say we were middle class or maybe just slightly below. You know, my dad was a Navy chief who went in the lumber business. His thing was always, we're always $10 short, but we get everything done. And so, you know, in this, in this world now where the, you know, white privilege, I would just say privilege sometimes, you know, just not even attaching a, uh, a color to it mm-hmm. um, as a human. Am I privileged to go to the woods? Yeah, I consider it a privilege um, to take that time and have the wherewithal to go. But, you know, on the other hand, I feel like it was kind of ingrained in me from a young age to go do it. So I kind of wrestle with that now. And I was talking to my daughter, driving her back to Chicago, and she's she's 29 and is very political and aware and says things like, well, Dad, you know, if you said that, that would be very tone deaf. And I'm going... As an old boomer, I'm going, oh, my God, we got to like, I-, I was sort of saying something about, can't you, is it okay to have any joy right now in these times? Or are we supposed to all just come down to a low point, you know, together? It's that existential, whatever that word is, uh, extraterrestrial question. Existential, yeah. I would, that, yeah, sure. That the, the human consciousness, the the collect is like Carl Jung's theory of the human consciousness. Uh, are we all pulsating on the same vibe? You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I was thinking before I talked to you guys, going, I wonder what's going on up in Grand Marais. You know, because I often say, man, I would love to get out of the Twin Cities. I, for many reasons, I when I go to Grand Marais, anytime I did the library show there a couple of years ago, and. Mm-hmm. I showed up in front of the library about 9.30 in the morning and I could hear the seagulls. I felt like I was in Provincetown, Massachusetts. And I stand there going, why don't I live here? Why, why do I not live here instead of the Twin Cities? And just get up there and get a little elbow room, you know. Though so what you said earlier, you know, you're not immune to troubles up there. But it feels like these days the, the, the big the big glowing orbs of, of tension and, and stuff are in the cities or in Minneapolis or in St. Paul or in Chicago or in Portland, you know, it's the cities that are sort of, and I just want to get to the woods and, and just go away for a few days, you know? Well, so what do you think about when you go to the boundary waters uh, and you're on the border route trail or the caribou rock trail, wherever you Mm -hmm. might be, uh, that you're going to encounter somebody that looks like me or you, a white, 
a white guy or a white woman. Is that, do you have a response to that or think about that? Or does that, what, I, what's your reaction to that? I just, from the faces I've seen over the years have predominantly been Caucasian faces. And I have come across, you know, uh, African-American backpackers down South and, you know, I say hello and I have any trail talk like I do with anybody. I, you know, if I'm hiking alone, uh, but I'm usually with Hickory or somebody down there. When mm -hmm. I hike alone up north, sometimes I, when a Minnesotan is coming, I, I always step to the side of the trail and I hang my hands on my hiking poles. Look, I'm a big bear because yeah. I see people kind of, they see an older man in the woods alone and you know right away they're going ax murderer. Um, <laughs> So, you know, that's that's what I always think, because I would think it if I was young. I've seen guys get in front of their girlfriends. Hey. Um, so, you know, it's always that thing of going if somebody walks by, sometimes it's just a head nod. How you doing? Sometimes you sit there and chat for five minutes. So I have had the experience down south. We passed a uh, African-American female solo hike through hiker on the Foothills Trail. And after we talked a minute left, and she recognized me from my videos. Right on. And she said, oh, yeah, I've seen you on videos. But she never said uh, what she thought. And Hicks said, I wonder what she thinks of you. And I said, she didn't say. So it might not be good. Yeah. But we were saying after we were out of earshot, isn't that cool to not just to run into a, a, a female solo hiker, but an African-American one? Mm -hmm. Because really, that might have been a first for me in all these years. So I usually expect to see guys like you. Yeah, that's the thing, right? And I expect to see guys like you. And yeah. and and I don't think that like the very by the nature of that there's anything wrong, but you know an interesting thing about when we talk about diversity uh, in the wilderness, in the boundary waters specifically is that, you know, we talked to a politician, uh, somebody in the House of Representatives about money, getting more money to through the DNR to encourage people of color to go to the woods. Um, and then you compare that like you're saying with uh, maybe an at-risk youth group that takes them from the inner city into the boundary waters, leads them in. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean, you, know, you can't just drop somebody in the wilderness, in the boundary waters, in a canoe and say like, now you're doing it. Yeah, you just I'm at it. it, you know. Yeah, there has to be a will. There has to be a link. And so when we talk, that's the hardest part that I have about people who are really passionate about this topic of you know, encouraging diversity in the wilderness. We got to do more to make sure that it's not just Suge white guy and Joe white guy in the woods, but there also has to be an interest in a, in a desire. And I know that the, the tools that we can supply are money to get people there either because they can't afford to get the gear or drive themselves from Minneapolis or wherever it might be. So, so that we can play a role, but the, the interest also has to reside within, you know, it does. I, I, I agree because you can't make people go do stuff just because you feel it's right. All right, all of you kids, you look like you've never been in the woods. Well, here we go. And they might be going, I don't, man, that's the last thing I want to go do. You know, it would be like somebody making me go game for eight hours. I go, I don't know. Can we just, let's just try 15 minutes first. <laughs> it, you know, it's just such a, like you say, it comes down to money. And I've always said to people, I go, backpacking is not inherently expensive. You can dirt bag it. I mean, you need a sleeping bag, a pad, a tent, some cook gear. You know, you don't need much, but it's like any uh, sport or hobby. We want more. You know, I, I don't know too many guys that own just that fish a lot that have just one fishing rod. You know, 
Um, a, or, or a hillbilly pot. Or, or a hillbilly pot. Or Gatorade bottles for his pop quilts. And, you know, it's like you, yeah. you because it becomes your passion and you're like, going, well, you know, I need a uh, I need a zero degree. I need a minus 20. I need a 40 degree. I'd like to have that 30 degree for in between, you know, and you collect this stuff. And for me, it's a lot of it going, well, I used to just blow my money on on booze. And now I feel like I'm, I've got things that I can have and I can loan them to friends. And, you know, it's just the wilderness thing is like on one hand, as you know, like the Spear Hiking Trail, I didn't even go on it last summer during the pandemic because I kept hearing how crowded it was. So I sneak on up to the uh, the, the foot trails up in the boundary waters, you know, yeah. because more people aren't a lot of people don't know they exist and they're not well marked. And, you know, people can feel pretty safe on the Spear Hiking Trail because they'll see people. But you realize for anybody that has never been in the boundary waters, you go, you're pretty remote. Um, you know, it's quiet out there. And growing up down south, you know, we'd have like a, a church group from, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and some church group would bring a bunch of their youth up to the boundary waters and they come back and all I'd hear is, oh, the boundary waters, boundary waters, boundary waters, oh, the boundary waters, you see us under the boundary waters, oh, the boundary waters. And I'd just shut up about the boundary waters. And I used to sit around and go, how could a sunset from the boundary waters be be better than a sunset from a mountaintop in North Carolina. Uh-huh. Because to me, the Boundary Waters, I thought, was just sort of this flat, lakey place. You know, you kind of knew of it from pictures, the sound of a loon, a man in a canoe with a fishing rod. And I used to go, boring! Uh, so <laughs> once once I was I was on Parent Lake, you know, um, yeah. over there on the, on the, you know, right up on the dis- Disappointment Trail. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and you're facing west, and I saw a sunset there that, uh, and I've seen several there at that lake that almost made me cry. And I got it because you're going, it's the perspective of the lake. It's that 945 sun behind the horizon, the colors, the loon is looning, the owl is owling, the fish is jumping, you know, he's going, whoa, it's so intense. And I went, I get it. I get the sunset from the boundary waters. It's amazing. You mm-hmm. can't compare the sunsets. It's sort of like you can't compare people's um, passions. You know, I've all, often say I have so many people that say to me, oh, you're so obsessed with your mandolin. You're so obsessed with your camping. I go, no, 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 no. Obsession makes people cry. You can make people cry with your obsession. I said, I'm highly passionate about the things I get into. And I will dive into something for two or three years and see if that passion stays, because sometimes you know, some hobbies you go, you do them for two or three years. You go, eh, I kind of reached my point with it. You know, camping sort of never, it, it, it's like music. It doesn't have that, you know, you can music. There's always another song. There's always another technique and camping. There's always another trip or you're older or you see something differently. Like it's sort of open-ended. It's mm-hmm. never, it was like my career in circus. It kept my interest. It never, I never got bored with it. And um, I go through my life looking for things that give me focus like that. So I tell people I'm very passionate and I tell young people, do not be afraid of passion. People are kind of jealous of passion. You know, if you're a passionate person about mountain biking or or fishing, 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 you know, it's just like, that's great. Talk about it all you want, because, uh, you know, it's that's a great positive thing. So I always make sure to tell people, nope, not not obsession, passion. We're talking with Suge 
Hammock Camper on the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast today. Glad you're listening. It's a really interesting conversation that went so much different than I had all these notes, all these questions about hammock camping and different, you know, really about knots and gear and all kinds of things related to that, under quilts, you know, you name it. I was planning to dive into the specifics with Suge on that. Didn't even come close. We talked about issues like we just heard and also about advocacy. Who should be protecting the boundary waters? What do, what's Suge's role? What's the podcast role? Let's get into that part of our conversation. You've got 100,000 plus people that follow you on your YouTube channel. We have a much smaller base, but we're tapped into this same niche of of wilderness people, you know, people that are, are engaging with our creative product because they're interested in the wilderness. You know, there's some element that's drawing them in. And you're right up there in it. I mean, you know, you're, you yeah. guys are there. But we don't necessarily, at least I don't personally think of myself as a, an advocate of some kind. I'm not uh, really like save the trees or save this place even, even though I love it. I'm, I'm, ne- I'm I don't, think of myself in that way. And I, I don't recall you. I'm not like, either. Yeah. I always have people trying to get me to jump on a cause going, I'm not really a cause guy. And if I do, it's my private thing. I'm not yeah. going to bring everybody else in. I wish I was that kind of person. Like if you want to save the bound, we've been saving the boundary waters for years and we'll continue to save it. My thing is going, go now and see it, you know, go see it now. It lives now. Go now, go see it now. Don't, harp on well i was gonna go in 20 years and it was gone that's because you didn't go now go now it's there i was just there it's beautiful so i'm like you i i wish i was more that kind of person i'm just i'm i'm not uh really i'm more like a pick up a little bit of trash kind of guy yeah and, and you know there's it's been interesting to see like i don't know if you saw that julia louis dreyfus from from seinfeld this actress this very yeah, famous yeah, person. yeah. Uh, she came to the Boundary Waters last year, two years ago now, and, and really had a great trip, a canoe trip with her husband and some friends. They stayed up the Gumflin Trail. And now they saved the Boundary Waters campaign, and she's friends with Al Franken, and they kind of brought her in through that. So she's now an advocate for the wilderness, and it's bringing in all these other people. But I wonder what your take on that, about why, you know, here you are, you've got these 100,000 people, and, like, we've got these, you know, listeners, and we've got the airwaves here, and we're, for whatever reason, we don't, you know, Stop the mine isn't something that was front and center on your on your page. I, here's how I look at it, and it's, this is a great question. I've I've always wanted to address this because you threw it at me, and I've thought about it. And I'm going through my channel. I, I what I hope to do is just more than anything. Yeah, sure, teach a little bit of hammock camping and all that. But usually, what I find, like when I was performing at the Minnesota State Fair, I'd have I'd have a man come up. Usually his wife would come up and go, my husband's over here and he, was, he really wants to talk to you. He got back in the backpacking. He's a little starstruck. Quite frankly, I'm sick of you and your voice and your whole woo buddy thing. And I go, well, tell him to come on over here, ma'am. And you just continue to dislike me. That's fine. Um, I'm good with that. Uh, my own mother didn't like me. Uh, so <laughs> I'm probably making you happy in some way because you probably enjoy just not liking me. Um, so, you know, she's kind of joking. And the guy comes over and I realize, I'm inspiring people just because people are going, that old guy's out there doing it. If he's having fun, why can't I? So I'm more the light approach. I'm the clown approach. Because I always see these people that get, like, through the 60s, you know, we needed those people that got out and demonstrated about when they used to drive. Um, you know, I realized just watching this um, these documentaries on 
on Netflix, that, uh, I think Steven Spielberg did them. It's the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. And it was the woman that went around and nobody knows her name and it wasn't a big campaign. But remember the mosquito trucks that would drive through with all the DDT oh, yeah. blowing out? We'd run down the street chasing it. Well, her cause was to have a better way to deal with that. But for some reason, like someone like Julia, that's in their soul to get political and to put it out there, like use your platform. I frankly get sick. All right, I'm 50-50 on it. I love that some people use their platform. Even me, I get sick of every actor using their platform. Sometimes I'm just going, you know, if you happen to see my video, I'm going, you know, we should go there. It looks really beautiful. Am I not doing my part just as much to inspire people to go now and show the the fun side of it because there'll always be the people that I they're, they're the ones like when I was in high school my teacher goes Sean why don't you um why don't you think about going out for you know um editing the yearbook or being on that staff and like nah nah I'll let the smart kids do that you know I'll volunteer them for things and then give them pictures of myself to put in there that's not my role I'm the idea guy. I go up and go, all my smart, introverted friends, I go, guess what, Myron? I got you editing the yearbook because you would never step up and ask. Now, here's some pictures of me. Do a great job. I'm moving on. And so on all these causes, uh, here's what happened once. Here's what I want to tell you. So I was on the Kekakabic Trail one time walking up, and I was kind of going up. I didn't know the trail as well at the time. I didn't realize it, but I was heading up toward the Old Pines or the Disappointment. And there was a group out there of about, I don't know, 15 folks clearing trail. It was a really hot summer and a lot of, it was one of those years where there was a lot of army worms in the woods. And I'm walking along alone and they were all looking at me like, God, you're out here by yourself? I was like, yeah. And I sort of stopped and talked to them and I said, thank you so much for clearing the trail. I'd love to stop and help you, but somebody's got to be walking it. Yeah. We can't all be clearing it. Some of us have to be walking it so that you can clear it. And I remember walking away going, that's kind of true in a way. Uh, you know, I send money in. I somehow like a kind of quit promoting the trail so much. Like if somebody wants to ask me where my campsite is, I'll tell them. But now I'm going to keep it a little bit more in the QT. Let them figure it out. But yeah, I agree. I don't know what that wiring is, the people that jump in and want to get on the front lines. I, I admire them and we need them. Now, you think Julia Louise Dreyfus will ever go to the Boundary Waters again? Was it a one-time deal? Now she wants to save it. I'll be up there three, four, five times this summer. So, I don't know. I feel like I'm going, Boundary Waters knows me. Knows me. Knows when I'm coming. And my hippie, hippie thing is uh, when people go, are you nervous in the woods? I go, no, because I don't go into the woods with a chip on my shoulder. I go into the woods going, hey, woods come to visit for three days. I'm like the, the cousin, I'm gonna help you with some chores. I'm gonna enjoy you. Hey, red squirrel, don't get bowed up. I'm just passing through. I said, that's why I think animals show themselves to me. I think they know that I'm cool. I, I hug the trees I, and I do this. Before I hang my hammock, I hug a tree and I say, I've, I've chosen you special. Uh, and I'd like for you to not follow me or drop a limb on me. And, uh, and you overhear them, come over to you in a sec. And I talk to them and I thank them in the morning when, I, when I'm done with them. And to me, it feels good. You know, we can't all do it the same way. We can't all be there on the front line. So 
I feel that was a fairly good answer. At the end of that answer, though, I still feel like maybe I should be one of these guys right on the front lines, but I'm just not. I, I, will, I don't know how to answer that, really. Well, I would counter, or, or my, my own observation on that, Shug, is that you are on the front lines and that I get more engaged and excited about the Boundary Waters by watching your videos than I would, you know, uh, an eight, 10 minute, 30 minute documentary about the fact that it's at great risk from a proposed threat by a mining company. I'm, I, I think that people, you're an advocate without saying so. But without I mean, going into the heavy stuff. Uh-huh. And, you know, I feel like uh, I see these alarmist things happen and I, and I believe they're real. Um, part of this pandemic thing is I've been saying a lot and, and all the things that are happening in the world now with, with race and inequality and everything that's happened on these big issues, it's good to be aware. It's also good to think it from A to Z personally, you know, where you fall in, like going, okay, um, can we control the climate? I don't know if we have the power to really control it. I think we can keep working on it, you know, but good luck everybody. But honestly, go enjoy it now, you know, go, Go enjoy it now. Go do stuff now in the wilderness. And I don't know how long the Boundary Waters has sort of been under attack because I've lived in Minnesota a long time. I'm sure there's been for 30 years the Boundary Waters are going to go away. And Canada's having it now. There will always be some mining company after it. And as far as I understand right now with the mining up there, and um, I felt like it was on hold the last time I read it or something. And I know there's a lot of people up on the North Shore that very much support mining. It's their business, you know, and and I get that. So, you know, you're trying to be open to both sides, those that support mining and those that are against it. And yeah, it's tough. I'm just going to keep camping and going, man. You know, it's like, yeah, all right. You know, uh, that, that sounds like kind of a Switzerland answer, but I just, I, I, I just don't want to get hung up too much on either end i just i'm just going to play the middle and go i hope you're around for a while yeah i mean i go i on my trips i don't think about it i don't think i've ever once thought about twin metals on a canoe trip uh me either yeah because you're there in this lovely moment with the wind whistling through the trees and it's like you know i'm i don't want to fall into that thing going well hope this doesn't go Go away. I'm just going, gee, this is so nice that I'm just in that moment of nature going, thanks, man. Thanks for enjoying us. We're putting on this little show for you. You know, don't be a downer. But I, and I think the point, though, that somebody who is a strong, maybe even is aligned or works for the Save the Boundary Waters campaign would say, and you know why you don't think about it is because it's not there yet. And if it is, then you will. So that's why we're trying to stop it. And that, that part I can relate to. And, and we need those people that are doing that. You know, selfishly, yes, I need them. I'm, I'm glad they're doing it um, and chaining themselves to things and doing all that. I've just never been that kind of person, and I just don't see myself becoming one now. And believe me, people have asked me online why I'm not doing more, and I'm going – my answer is going, I don't want to. I just want to go camping. I just want to enjoy the planet while it's here. I, I don't know. It's just, even after mouthing all this stuff, I, 
I'm not sure I gave a great answer. I should have just lied to you. Uh, but <laughs> and said, well, <laughs> let me tell you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right after this, I'm driving up there. And, you know, I'm going to take care of this situation. Uh, just, it just, it just seems like it will, it will go on a long time. It's not the first round, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a 15 round boxing match. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of cuts. I just don't know. I would be the guy if the groups are arguing about it. I'd go, Chuck, Chuck. They'll probably work this out. Why don't we? Let's load our packs and just. You know what they're fighting about right now? Let's just go up and get into it. Let's yeah. go up where they're fighting about. Yeah, Let's yeah. go there. Yeah, you yeah. know, that Seven would be me. Go now, Shug says. Go now. Some wise words. Really appreciated talking with this uh, YouTube you know, sensation of sorts. I mean, he's got all these followers all over the country. My buddy in Oregon, as I was saying earlier, down in the Twin Cities where Suge lives, all over though, I mean, Canada, you name it, he's got people. I think all over the world, Suge was telling me. I envisioned some future collaboration with Suge the Hammock Camper. It's June. I hope you're out planning a trip or have one that you've done already this year. It's, it's been a great start to the season. Matthew will be back. Uh, we're going to start, by the way, doing some shorter episodes, more frequent episodes. We're going to two a month. We've really been hearing from our listeners, and that's you, about uh, wanting more content, you know, just either in shorter segments or more rapid fire when we release the episode. So we're going to do that. We start doing two episodes a month. They might be a little bit shorter, but double the content, two episodes per month, moving forward. That's the plan. As always, uh, send us story requests, story ideas, bwcapodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can reach Matthew or I. Appreciate all the stories we've heard from you over time, and uh, keep them coming. Thanks so much. I'm going to go do some fishing right now, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. I just sing when I paddle, feeling not thinking if the strokes are true. We're going to get through to the other side. Out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Rule me, rock me in my dreams You can roll me, rock me in my dreams So I like to sing, I love to dance I play the fool if I got the chance All around the campfire light All around Campfire light All round, all round, all round The campfire light